Good morning. Welcome to a brand new podcast called On a Roll with Kerwin Brown, the show that bakes up a variety of topics and some tasty treats. Uh, I'm uh, here with Mark Hotze and Tim Cook. Welcome, gentlemen, to the first podcast. Thanks Good morning. morning. To be your guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, uh, we appreciate that. So we're going to start these shows off with some rapid-fire questions. And uh, so you just got to tell me which one of these you like more. So, hmm. cake or pie? Pie. Pie. Bagels or English muffins? Bagels. English muffins. Good. We've got some Cheetos or potato chips? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, Cheetos. Potato chips. Do you put them in your sandwiches like I do? Never. Never? No. But you do? No, that's a sandwich. It's a, yeah, it's, it's good. Ho-Hos or Twinkies? Wow. Oh, These are tough questions. Hovos. Hovos, all the way. <clears throat> Have you ever had them right off the line? Dozens. Dozens of times. Yes. Uh, and lemon pound cake or carrot cake? Carrot cake. Carrot cake. I hate carrot cake. The healthy cake. dessert. Yes. I hate carrot <laughs> cake. So, um, so thanks. Uh, wanted to get you guys warmed up. We're going to start sort of on relationships. Uh, I've known both of you guys for a long time, 20 plus years. And uh, can you remember... Maybe a time when we met or you met each other sort of the first time in the industry. I certainly remember the first time I met you because it was just as I was coming into the industry. We had dinner together here in Kansas City where we are today. And uh, it was an introduction, my introduction to the baking industry. Right. And you were in the meat industry. I was in the meat industry at the time. Yes. And that was, God, that was more than 20 years ago. It's a few years ago. How about you? First time you met Tim, or maybe first time you met me? Tim, I think I've just known since we were born. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, I met you for the first Kindred time. Kindred spirits. Yes, in, in 2003, um, right out of a bakery. Okay. So when I when I jumped the jumped the fence and went over into the to the the Allied side, um, and and I think the, the the two times I remember working very closely with you were well, one was. The, IBIE in Orlando, mm-hmm. got to know you pretty well there. And then um, when ASB was at a, a, a junction in leadership, we spent a lot of time together. I was the uh, program chair that year, and you and I spent a whole lot of time in closed door sessions trying to figure out what we were going to do. Some late nights and early mornings. Yes. Uh, and that's when I think I first got to know you. Yeah, back then. So. Yeah, back there. Uh, and that sort of links us, I think, to sort of relationships. And I think. I've really mostly been in the baking industry my whole career, and you guys, you play in some different industries. So uh, I think uh, the relationships in baking are super key and huge, but are they any bigger in our industry than any other industry? Or So give me your take on that. Yeah, I think, well, the, the one thing I would say is that the people in general in the baking industry are just so wonderful that... The, I'm not sure the relationships are any more important, but they seem to be stronger. That's mm. my experience. And and I attribute that just to the, the great people that are in the industry. They're people you want to be friends with, right. not just work with. Right. Absolutely. Uh, we were talking about this at the last uh, IBIE committee meeting, too. Right. Just the, the, the friendships you develop within this industry are, are unlike other uh, other industries that, that I, I'm associated with. I just... Some of my best friends have come out of the baking industry and will continue to be my best friends long after I retire. Amen. So, Present company included. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together and we enjoy it. So, uh, okay, so we're going to move to international. Uh, and uh, in front of you, um, 
we have some treats. And so we're actually going to try these two things. I want you to, I got picked these up at an international bakery retail here in Kansas City. And I want you to try the green one first and just give me maybe a one word description oh of what you're eating. You know, normally green on bread is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so in this, this is guaranteed safe. This is guaranteed safe. So, uh, so try one of the green ones. I'm going to try one too. Fruit. What do you think? Fruit. Fruity. Melon. 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 Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a honeydew melon. It is a honeydew soft bread. So Perfect. It, I think it's actually, I picked it up. I was like, oh, I don't know about fruit and bread, but uh, it's actually really tasty. Yeah, we could turn that into wine. We could we could turn that maybe <laughs> fermented. All right, so let's try the next. So you said fruity, melony, all that kind of stuff. So let's try the next one. <clears throat> Bland. Bland. It's Actually, almost like a like a puff pastry with a little bit of cream cheese. Right. But the cream cheese is really nice. Yeah. It's not too... It's not sweet, not heavy. Right. I would go not with bland. I would go nice. My, uh, my slice must have been a little... <laughs> maybe <laughs> my, you're still you. mine. I got the end piece. You got the end piece. Sour. So, uh, so, kind of... That is a Saburo pastry. These are sort of Korean... Um, <clears throat> you know, things you maybe find in Korea. So, um, and would that be a, a breakfast food? Would that be a dessert? Yeah. I would say yes. <laughs> all the above. All the above. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, so on the international side, uh, international breads, we don't eat probably these here in the States that much. You guys definitely operate with an international footprint with your companies. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me about bake trends. Do they transfer? Are they really different in other countries? Talk to Mark, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's interesting because the U.S. is such a large market, and, and it tends to um, homologate uh, over time, right? So, I mean, you see bake trends start here, and then they tend to just spread and then morph into just a national pastime. Right. Um, when you go to, to other parts of the world, Europe in particular, uh, everyone's passionate about their breads, but they're all very different. Um, everything from you know uh, shelf life um, here it's it's quite common just to go buy a bag loaf of bread on the grocery store shelf and, and in Europe that's still not very commonplace maybe in Spain but not in, in Germany or or in the Netherlands where they have uh, a national law that bread can only sit on the shelf for 72 hours right so I mean these are the it's just so different right, right. let alone if you go to like you're showing here I mean Asia it's completely different and in Japan uh, you go into a retail store and they'll have individual slices of white sandwich bread open face to show the the amazing crumb structure of it and you'll buy those individually right so it's uh very very different <clears throat> you have a yeah just one just slice, one slice for, yeah. with, a, with a meal right um how about you Tim? no and I, I think what mark said is exactly <clears throat> right what i would add to that though is that there's this globalization right now so that almost no matter what country you're in you can get either type of product. So right. you see very authentic European style bakeries here in the US. You see high, you know, high speed, large scale sandwich bread manufacturers in Europe. And, and you know, that has spread over the last decade to, to countries all over the world. And so it's almost becoming one market. 
with yeah. many differentiations between product, which right. I think That's is fantastic great. for the industry. Yeah. Um, staying on that sort of international feel, uh, again, teams that are in various countries and, and all that, culture is important uh, in every um, company. So tell me a little bit about managing teams globally and also um, just just culture, culture. Sure. So yeah. How is that different? Yeah. Well, first of all, I find that that very exciting. Um, you know, so we've got companies in uh, all over the world, and if not uh, companies, certainly outposts, offices. Um, and um, the thing that I love about it is when you have a, a geographically diverse workforce, you get great ideas from all over the world, and you learn a, an appreciation oftentimes for a different way to think or a different way to look at things. Um, it is challenging when you're trying to develop a corporate governance, though, and a corporate structure to make all of those cultures blend together. And um, I'm sure Mark and I both have some really funny stories about, you know, different cultures and trying to blend them in, right. you know, with with um, with a corporate culture. Right. Um, Sensitivity yeah. being yes. the number one yeah. word. Sensitivity <laughs> being the number. Sensitivity yeah. to different norms, different yeah. cultures. Yeah. And, I, and I think if you have, if your if your internal culture is is strong enough, you can you can poke fun at the stereotypes, right? Exactly. So, so we you know we talk about uh, the Americans being a bunch of cowboys, right? Right. And and our 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 friends in the Netherlands, they they're rule followers, right? So they want to have a list, and then they want to do the list, and then they want to go to the next list, right? So it and and everything in between, right? And for sure, our our, our colleagues in in Asia Pacific, it's it's different even still, right? Mm. It's not not necessarily acceptable to openly disagree, right? right? And and debate, and so those are all things that that you have to have to look at, not just internally, but also when you're dealing with customers, right? right. So I mean, it's and it's. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you think about like feedback. I feel like again, Americans are like you get a lot of feedback, even maybe even for somebody that you're managing or you know that's level with you or above you or whatever. And maybe in another culture, they would never give you feedback if you were at a different structure. So, yeah. um, so any challenges with that, or you know, I'm guessing a lot of challenges. Yeah, I think you know, and and the other thing that I would say is that the stereotypes don't always hold. I mean, I think much like Mark said, we've always had a culture as we've gotten to know each other and realize that we're all on the same team, no matter where we are. We have a culture where we allow ourselves to sort of poke fun at the differences between the culture. But I would say the other side is, of that is that I'm often surprised at how wrong the stereotypes are. Mm. You know, I've participated uh, in, in, uh, with, with several of our French companies. And as an American, you have stereotypes about French people and their work week and, you know, work ethic. And I just have found that those stereotypes are not true. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we have to step back and see that they have found a better way to look at things than, than we have in terms of the work week and how they organize themselves. And, right. And, um, and so, so the challenges with that, I think, only arise when you inject inflexible people into the equation. Um, and so just helping people have more of a global view to appreciate different cultures and realize that you can get done what you need to get done without trying to homogenize everything. And so having respect for each of the cultures, I think, is, is, a, is, a, is a big key that has to be managed. That, that, that's it. That's it. And, and just respect that, that just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad, right? right. right. I mean, I have a, 
story with a, a former boss of going to a steam bath at the base of Mount Fuji that will will never be told. <laughs> but, 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 but but again, it was it was a, it was an awesome experience, and for the the company that hosted us, this was a really big honor. Right to to spend a weekend um, at a Japanese um, resort, um, but it was the most uncomfortable thing I'd ever done. Right? right, I mean, and we were sleeping on bamboo mats on the floor. Right, right. and but this was. Uh, this is this was how they honored people. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure in the U.S. if we made somebody sleep on the floor, <laughs> that, that doesn't go over too well. That, yeah. that would be. Right? Yeah. So it sounds like flexibility and respect. If you can sort of keep those in the, you know, center, then you you can kind of work the other stuff Absolutely. out. Absolutely. To a strength. Yeah. You know, and that's the point that can't be missed. Is there's strength in right. in that diversity yes. of culture. Right. Yes. Uh, international. You guys travel a lot. Uh, and I'm going to just say one short phrase, and then you're going to give me a little color on this. This has to do with international travel. So uh, I'll start with you, China and economy class. Oh, boy. Yeah. So one of my funniest and scariest travel moments, um, this would have been back in the early 90s when I was traveling in China. And I was traveling with another industry colleague just because we were going to the same meetings, um, rather large gentleman. And... We got on the airplane and we're looking out the window and we see the two pilots come pedaling up to the jet on bicycles. And they look young enough to be our children, right? And they're sort of, you know, slapping each other's hats off and playing around as they get on the plane. And so we look at each other and we're like, they're flying the airplane? Next thing that happens is my buddy's seat actually breaks through the floorboard of the airplane. So now we're questioning the quality of the pilots, the quality of the plane, and then to cap it all off, the flight attendant comes back to my friend whose you know chair has just gone through the floorboard and says, excuse me, sir, you are very fat. <laughs> can, nice I, can, I move you, can I move you to first, first class? class. <laughs> so then Tim started banging on his seat to see if he could get yeah. it to break. You know, so I'm kind of large, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 That can be large. So, so we debated whether to stay on that plane yeah. or not before yeah. it took off. And you, for you, it's the Barcelona and bullfights. Oh man, um, yeah. So we're at a trade show in Barcelona. Um, we're walking back to the hotel after a, a pretty entertaining evening. Um, we're going past what was the last uh, bullfighting arena in Barcelona. Um, they were they were tearing it down. They had a twelve foot fence around it, and um, a gentleman by the name of Mitch Lindsay. Some of you guys know him at, at Burford, and I decided we were it was a good idea if we took a brick from this bullfighting arena and brought that back as a souvenir because they're tearing us down and tearing it into a shopping mall. Sounds so logical. we, we scale a 12 foot fence almost successfully, um, you know, we end up falling down and uh, a gentleman that was uh, outside was yelling at us in Spanish to, you know, and pointing and we're making a lot of noise, obviously. And we see a police station off to the side and we think, okay, we'll be quiet because we're going to get in trouble. He keeps yelling and pointing Well, we go get our bricks and we start to climb over the fence and we again fall over and then we realize he's yelling and pointing because six feet down from us, there was a gate. That was <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean, it's the things you do when you're young, you right? needed help with your Spanish translator. Yeah, it is yeah, that gate. I, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, still working on my Spanish. Exactly. So, uh, talking a little bit about trends. So, we have a couple of breads that <clears> sort of follow some trends and you guys have seen, you know, of course, trends over the last 20 or 25 years, you know, everything from wheat to gluten-free to low sugar, you know, low sugar, low sodium, you know, and everything in between. Um, so I want you to try 
this bread, hit this one, this one, and just tell me what kind of trend it is going after. So, y'all ready? Just both at the three. same time? No, no, just one at a time. <laughs> Put both of them in your mouth. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. Give me a bottle of wine and I might be able to tell you something about it. It's really dry. Yeah. Well, it is supposed to be dry or is that just... I think it's, you know... It's on its way to becoming a crouton. (laughs) (laughs) It's a crouton. No, it is a croissant uh, loaf. I was going to say. So, uh, seeing those a little bit more now, uh, let's try this. You know, and they're making, you know, know, French toast out of them or whatever. Were you something to drink with this? No. (laughs) Whatever you were drinking in Spain. Hard to guess. It is a vegan croissant. Makes sense now. The taste matches the description. <laughs> <laughs> vegan equals not taste. Clearly a meat eater. Yeah. So, uh, so trends. Um, how do trends affect your business? You know, you're mm-hmm. definitely more on the ingredient side. You're more on the equipment side. Um, that you've seen over the last twenty years. Um, you know, helping your customers or whatever, how do trends impact your business? Yeah, I mean, great question. Um, and in a lot of ways, right? I mean, so everything from um, working on uh, gluten-free products, right? So that's a trend. Or developing new, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, keto breads or, you know, those kinds of things that, that are directly tied into consumers. I mean, I think that's that's a big part of it. But then you also have the the kind of the, their operational or industry trends, right? So things like, um, hey, I want to change my distribution model and I mm. need to extend the shelf life of my products. That is a completely different discussion and a completely different answer set. Right. Um, because then you're talking about things like, okay, it needs to taste good, right? So it can't dry out in 20 days. It's got to, the, the consumer experience has to be exactly the same eating on day 20 as it is today or day 50 or whatever. I mean, and that's a different answer based on the products that we're talking about. Right. So I so I think it's it's really when we're at the top of our game, we're answering those pain points for customers when they say, help us solve this problem and, and or help us launch this product. Right. And and again, just completely different discussions, but right. a lot of fun in both cases. Right. And now we see why he's so good at his job and Corby is so strong <laughs> in the industry. So what yeah. about how about you? Well, I would take off on the last point that Mark made about the interaction and the partnership with the customers. When I think of trends in our industry, I really think of them uh, on the level that it's part of what keeps us engaged with our customer base and with their customers. And so I, I really enjoy it when we see new and different trends coming because it means that, you know, as Mark said, we've got to partner with our customers to help them figure out the equation. But even on a grander scale than that, what it means is the industry is remaining dynamic to its mm-hmm. customer base. Um, you know, with, with bread products already having, what, a 98 or 99% household penetration in the U.S., it's very important as an industry that we have to keep finding ways to, you know, to excite the right. customer base and include any of those that are not already part of the customer base. Right. And I would think on the equipment side, when you start to see things like <clears throat> consumer trends where bread and roll consumption tends to be on a 1% to 2% decline, but then you look at things like tortillas and flatbreads that are almost blowing off the charts, right. it absolutely impacts on how you guys go right. after customers too, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we saw QSR go <clears throat> down a little bit over the last few years. Now QSR is back up. For, and, and for your customers, it's a bit of a longer term commitment when they're going with some equipment 
purchases. I need a new line. I need an expansion. So they had to be pretty certain that that is going to stick uh, when they start investing those kind of dollars. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 It's a critical decision. For them. So uh, a small tweak from that discussion to transformation. Uh, what's the most transformational thing you've seen happen, I'd say, in the last 20 years in our industry? Oof. People. Wow. Great but, question. Yeah. Um, for I, well, I would say, let me just throw this one out because it's off the top of my head. It's the consolidation. Mm. I, you know, I think it's sometimes lost on us how much effect consolidation has had on our industry in terms of products, in terms of margins, in terms of, um, you know, spurring growth in terms of new and, and more efficient builds. Um, I think it's just, you know, it's, to me, has had the largest single impact on, on our industry that I've seen, certainly in the last 12 to 15 years. Right. Yeah, that, I think that's a great one. I, and I just I think there's probably a handful of just mega trends that we've seen, right? So, I mean, you look at consolidation, uh, automation. Um, I mean, you look at the struggles in the workforce with getting people to show up for work, getting skilled uh, bakers, getting skilled engineers. I mean, those are those are huge, huge challenges that things like automation and consolidation mm -hmm. start to answer, right. right? But then you look at on the other side, just like we were talking about. So how do I how do I extend the shelf life of my product, right? How do I reduce the scrap that, that I'm generating? Um, you know, all the way back to the sustainability piece, right? Which we're just now starting to, to hear that from our industry partners in right. terms of, hey, help me on the sustainability journey. And right. what does that look like for right. us? I mean, 20 years ago, nobody great talked point. about that. Yeah, about that. Great, great point. And I think that's certainly the future. Yeah, I mean, right. we've all got to be focused on sustainability in everything we do. Yeah. We're going to lean into that really hard over yeah. the next 10, 20 yeah. years. So, okay, moving, um, I would say, um, as most people do, have an unconventional unconventional path to, to leadership, to CEO <laughs> or whatever. And um, I, I started uh, as a youth director, went to marketing, and then uh, now with Bima. So I know both of you have a little bit of an unconventional. Um, so we're going to kind of dig in your past a little bit. Your twelve. This is where it gets real. Yeah. <laughs> your perseverance. Your, yeah. yeah, you're twelve years old and you need a job. I'm not sure why Western Kansas didn't follow any kind of labor laws, <laughs> but you're twelve years old and your first job. So tell us. A yeah, about yeah. Actually, job. I was eleven years old, oh. and it was uh, washing dishes. In, in a resort, um, I guess for the purposes of this, I better leave the name of the resort out. There's a resort. Uh, well, a, yeah, a resort, yeah. A, yeah, a, resort, believe, a, a resort meant a uh, motel with a restaurant, a bar, and a, and a, and a convention center, and a swimming pool, wow. exactly. Nice. Yeah. And so um, it happened because my older brothers were already working there, and they couldn't find good labor. They had shortages of people to come in and do the work. And so one of my older brothers said, my little brother will do this. And so they said, bring him in. Yeah. And, um, and it turned into a, a job all the way through, through my, probably till I was 17, 16 or 17, I stayed there in various jobs, capacities. Uh, I'm going to ask you a little follow-up uh, after I ask him one question. Your first day in the baking industry was oh. super chill. I mean, super, it made <laughs> you really want to continue a career. So tell us your First yeah. day in the baking. I mean, the, it, it, and I, now I'm going to update myself, but I mean, those were absolutely different times, right? When you were just lucky to have a job, right? Kind of like your deal, Tim. I mean, and, and you know, you, you you show up for the interview in a suit and tie, 
for, for a job or <laughs> position, right? I mean, that's just what you did. And, and so then, you know, your first job is, is on the packaging line at 5 a.m. Uh, on a Sunday, right? So they have you show up at, at dark 30. And then, then they just move you all around the bakery. I mean, and at the end of the bakery, you're throwing pans and it's 10 o'clock at night, right? Yeah. So, I mean, because people call off and they just put you around. So after a 16 or 18 hour day, and at one point I got hit in the face with a, a bread tray that got ejected <laughs> from the thing. I mean, I got cuts on my, it was a mess. Had you at least taken the tie so, off at that point? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah by, that, by that point, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was reduced to that yeah, short sleeve shirt. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> and that was the challenge they gave you to see if you were worth right. it, right? To see if you could stomach it. And if you were going to, if you could do that, right. then they would ask you to show up the next day and do it again, yeah. right? We would say yeah. normally rub some dirt in it, it's probably rub some it, flour it, in it. Exactly. And then yeah. So those tough times, uh, one or two things you learned. Uh, for me, number one was work ethic. So, you know, learning at that early of an age that as long as I was willing to show up and try to outwork everybody around me, I'll always have a job. Yeah. And that stuck with me for the rest of my career. Right. Absolutely, Tim. I think that's, yeah, perseverance. Um, you said it. I mean, I never thought I was going to be the smartest guy in the room. I still don't. <laughs> but I think I can outwork about anybody. Yeah. Right? And I think that, that, uh, you can you can teach skills you can't teach attitude. Yeah, right. right. I mean that's it. Sure. We all we all recognize it in the people that we that we bring around us too. Right. right. So I mean if they have the right attitude, uh, everything else comes with it. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I kind of call them steps. So there's probably somewhere in all of our careers that there was a step that really propelled you into like something else. Yeah. So yeah. For you, like, was there a step that's kind of made you? get to that next level, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, probably two or three, um, you know, one was, um, when I was, when I was getting ready to, to graduate, um, and my degrees in business and I'm working at a bakery and the, the plant president, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go take an internship with a bank and, and then, you know, my days in bakery are done. And right. he pulls me into his office and he says, you know, what are you talking about? Right. So, I mean, that's not what I had in, plan for you at all and why would you want to go into that industry I and mean, this is so much fun yes. and I mean and, and put me on this path where right? else are you going to get so, hit in the face with pants so that, absolutely <laughs> absolutely and then you have a, a, a an industry icon like like Fred Springer that sees you doing three jobs um, at a time and basically throws you a lifeline and then teaches you um, you know and and if you're smart you listen and yeah. you just you just soak that stuff up and you just learn it like a sponge I mean and, and there's been a few folks along the way for me like that that have just been absolute mentors, and um, I'm, I, I can't name them all, honestly, right. but it's like if you just have the common sense just to listen. I mean, <laughs> and, and by the grace of the good Lord, you know, you, you're smart enough to say, hey, this matters right now. Right. right? So, so listen to what this yeah. man is telling you because yeah. it will make a difference. Takes that step. So. Mentorship is such a key yeah. phrase there. I, I was thinking the same as we were talking about the subject, and every step of the way, having a mentor, even when I was 11 years old, washing mm -hmm. dishes was just an incredible factor in my career. Right. Uh, all right. So we this is a feature of the podcast called What's In There? Uh, and so uh, so you have blindfolds. I'd like you to put those blindfolds on. And uh, we're going to, you know, so that your senses can be all very tuned was to one thing. Was this the NBA? I don't remember. <laughs> I think, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that it is in the future. So there is a... Wait, I'm going to make sure Tim puts his on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a treat at the end. I want you to take a bite of that. There's some cream and some kind of bread. 
Um, but I can see it. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. But We've already to, seen it. I know, yeah. but I want you to sort of concentrate on the flavors and tell me what's in there. So close, yeah, don't close your, yeah. Okay, what, how am I going to find it? Yeah. Okay. Is this the right one? That's the right one. Okay, here we go. All right, so what's in there? Mm. Wheat germ? That's uh, 100% whole wheat. Wow. Well, whole wheat. Is it sweet? Is it savory? Is it? It's a. Uh, it's, it's hard red winter wheat. That's pretty bitter. Yeah. It's um, definitely competing tastes with whatever the cream is and the hard wheat. All right. Not particularly enjoyable, I would say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. You can take your blindfolds off. Uh, that was a tasty Oops. dog treat from a local bakery. Oh, uh, nice. So, uh, but I made sure that it was uh, edible and that you're not going to, nothing bad is going to happen to you. So <laughs> The good news uh, is if I were a dog, I do think I'd like it. You them. would just love it. <laughs> I'm picking up uh, I'm some <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's some raw so, poultry in that that I need to worry about. No, there's probably nothing raw. <laughs> so, uh, quick pet treat or pet uh, question? Huge growing emphasis uh, in the industry on the pet side. So, quick little deal about kind of where's pet now? Where's oh, it going? So, well, it's I mean it's it kind of goes to pandemic demographics, right? I mean everybody got a pet during the pandemic, right. but the the market for um, dogs and cats uh, has just exploded. And um, people spent a lot of time with their animals during the pandemic, and they they absolutely have become part of the family now. Right. And the, the people want to spend as much money on their pets as they do on themselves, in some cases more. Right. I mean, we have uh, market data that would suggest that people will take better care of their pets than they will of themselves. And, and so I... That's not going away anytime right. soon, right? Exactly. I think I think it's it's going to be a, a trend that's here to stay, and and yeah, everything from you, you see these these companies now that are in the refrigerated section in the grocery stores where they have their own standalone refrigerated boxes, and those are those are quite expensive. Um, they yeah. re, they require a lot of uh, care and preparation. I mean, there's a lot of pathogens you need to worry about in that type of stuff. For so for us, I mean, this is it's absolutely something that we're looking at. Right. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I would echo that. It's an extremely important market and a, and a fairly fast-growing market when you talk about food segments. So, yeah, and look at all the acquisitions and changes in just yeah. in the in the manufacturers, mm -hmm. right? So, With a, a lot of bees on those acquisitions, which are yes. amazing, but yes. people are paying for some of those companies yeah. right now. Right. So, uh, all right. Okay. Um, that was wrong. That was just wrong. <laughs> so, I, I I did enjoy that a lot. Um, so, uh, all right. Was I right? Is it hard red? I don't. Really, once yeah. you taste that and tell them, yeah, <laughs> he didn't need his, did he? Uh, no, I've got uh -huh. there's, about, there's about half of slice left, so I'll eat that <laughs> yeah, later right. on. Uh, okay, a uh, little bit of an inspirational side of things. Uh, on your social media, you liked something the other day that said it was a quote by uh, Maya uh, Angelo. Maya yeah. Angelo, okay, and it says, My mission in life is not merely to survive but to thrive and to do so with passion. Some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Why'd you like that? Yeah, I mean, it says it all, doesn't it? I right. mean, um, you know, I've always had a philosophy that uh, whatever you're doing in life, it should be, you should try to enjoy the moments, right? right? And not just be task-oriented and looking at the end of the journey. You have to enjoy the journey along right. the way. Um, you know, when, when I was CEO of 
of Shikastev and we set our corporate values, one of them was fun. Mm. You know, and our logic was we work really hard at okay. what we do. And you got to have fun along the way or you're going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that to me, that says it all. I, you know, I try to enjoy the moments of the journey in every possible way that I can. Right. Not everybody would put fun in their corporate, right. you know, in one of their value statements. Because yeah. you're like, oh, that's not serious enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, or that, quote my angel. That's exactly. Thank you for. Yeah, you are. And thank you for getting the name correctly. Yeah, <laughs> that I slaughtered. Uh, so I have two I quotes. You. I have two <laughs> quotes from you. One from a sage uh, man, I think, uh, Mr. Hodsey, that said, uh, "God looks after stray dogs," and Mark Hodsey, <laughs> or Winston Churchill, "Success is not final; failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts." So, which one of those do you want to take? Oh, wow. Uh, can I do both? You can do both. And, All right. and, and so, now we so, know why we have dog food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, no, I mean, and, and, and actually, uh, yeah, that, that was paraphrased from my dad, and, and it was actually in reference to my youngest sister, um, because that's, it, it like, it didn't matter what she did, it was like, it always turned out okay. Right? Uh, okay. I mean, and, and that's... And that was, it kind of went from that to, to just apply to all of his children. And like, the Lord takes care of And it's just the way, it's like, yeah, there's always, there's that invisible hand, right? right. So, and, and, and if you listen, if you listen a little bit, then the good things will happen. So right. I think that's, the, yeah. Uh, and then the Churchill deal is, I mean, we've talked about it a lot of times about the fail. Like we all failed uh, at some point, we yeah. failed, uh, you know, whatever. And that's important. And, and teaching, teaching people that, that it's okay to fail mm -hmm. and, and to take some risks. Right. I mean, that's that's a very hard skill to learn, but it is so awesome when you see it happen in your teams. Um, I, I just, I love when, when people take chances. And we don't always win, but if you, if, if you give it your best shot, then right. it's absolutely worth right. doing. And, and if we all did it open-eyed, and, and you, you just can't, you can't uh, punish people because they took the risk. Right. right? So, right. I mean, you've got to be able to support them and they'll pick them up when, when things don't go that their way. So right, that's yeah. how we learn and grow. Right. And, and, it, and nothing focuses you like failure. A good yeah, friend of mine it, said it, recently, yeah, you yeah. know, success just continues to broaden your view of things. Right. Failure really focuses you. Very, very yeah. well said. And, and then there was a, this is a Chinese fortune cookie actually <laughs> that I got when I, when I started my first week at, at, at Corbion. And it said, uh, it said face <laughs> you will right. be successful. <laughs> <laughs> Still there. Face facts with dignity. Okay. And, and when, when you think about it, the, the bad news, you have to be able to receive right. bad news and accept that with grace and not go and attack the, the messenger or, right. or or look at the situation for the context that created the, the problem, right? right? So, I mean, in facing facts with dignity, I think is, is as a leader, that's probably one of the most important things you can do. Right. Um, you guys have higher ups that you have to to uh, answer to your Don't at times. You know, I do. Mark doesn't. Mark doesn't. Do. But, you know, uh, but also you have to sort of tell, I think, tell the baking story to other people, investors or, you know, whoever it might be. Uh, you got 30, 45 seconds. Sell, sell me on the baking yeah. industry. So I don't yeah. know who wants to go first. Um, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> He's ready to go. I'm yeah. ready to go That's because it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. First of all, about the people in the industry. I don't think you can find a better industry to work in, first of all. Um, but secondly, you know, economically, food is a product that may not be the fastest growing, but it, it stays strong and people right. need to eat. And oftentimes in down, you know, in economic downtimes, 
people consume more of the products that our equipment makes than they do in strong economic times. So it's a little uh, counter. People unsteadiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely echo that, Tim. I think that's spot on. I think it's it's it, it's not it's not the fastest growing, it's, it, but it, but people have to eat. Right. So, and I think that's the the, the corollary to the the first truth is this is work worth doing. Right? Yeah. We are feeding. People. That's a great. We are phrase. helping our customers feed yeah. people, and and we we can lose sight of that in the day to day minutia. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is. I mean, this is a 5,000-year-old tradition of <laughs> making bread. Yeah. And, and when yeah. people talk about getting together at family uh, interactions, that's we're going to break bread together. Right. But people still say that. For sure. Matter. So right. I think that, to me, that's that's one of the cool things about this. Industry. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's nibbling Very at cool. pet treats, but usually it's, <laughs> it's bread. Um, okay. Uh, wrapping things up, final four question. So quick answers to these these questions. A final so, four question? KU. No, no. Uh, really? You'll, you'll get your chance. Uh, <laughs> one skill few people know you have. Oh, uh, I can wiggle my ears. Okay, I like that. I can speak Mandarin Chinese passively, conversationally. Passive, very good. Wow. Favorite pick on your phone right now? Uh, one of my two boys uh, at the top of the mountain when they learned to snow ski this year. Uh, I have on my screensaver a picture of me and my oldest daughter at a uh, wedding. Yeah, very fun. Um, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, what would you be doing? I would either still be in the United States Marine Corps, or I would have gone to law school. Okay. Wow, that's that's a big that. spread. It's a big spread. That's a huge <laughs> spread. Yeah. I had to have a lot yeah. of uh, options: yeah. Plan B and C and right. D. And yeah. So I mean, I'd either I'd either still be working in a bakery, or I'd be uh, I'd be a gearhead somewhere. I figure you'd be a mechanic. Yeah. I've seen your garage. Yeah. Uh, best thing about your job right now? Oh man, um, the people I work with. Bar, okay. I mean, hands down, hands down. Uh, I love the group. I love picking. People that are smarter than me and, and watching them succeed. <laughs> right. Put them all around. Go do their <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, how about you? Yeah, I think it's that cultural interaction. I just love different cultures different and cultures. getting to experience right. them. So, and you get a bonus question. Why is OU better than KU? Oh, man. Have you been to the Palace on the Prairie? Uh, no. Yes, I have, actually. Yes. Uh, why is KU better than OU? Well, because we're talking about basketball, and all you have to do is look at the <laughs> national championships and the Final Fours and the winningest basketball program in the history of college well, basketball. And the good news is you guys can play football in your basketball arena. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very Still much, uh, Tim and Mark, for being a part of this uh, first show. And uh, uh, we thank you, audience, for listening and being a part of this on a roll with Kerwin Brown. And we will see you next time.